splits up everything. Two teams are two games away from the Stanley Cup Finals, staring in the face a threshold that the Blues have never crossed. We'll check in on both series tonight. We'll also discuss some of the Blues prospects' accolades in junior hockey. Can you say Memorial Cup, people? You can't because you don't know what that is? Well, we'll have Ian to explain it all to you. Finally, we'll discuss some more Blues trades and talk about any other topic that we care to discuss. So let's get started and let's go Blues! This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast, and we are coming to you from our very, very ridiculously wealthy studio in Mozambique. And did you know that the national language of Mozambique is Portuguese? Because I'll bet you didn't. Mm. They also are a country in southeastern Africa, and that's about all I know are we wealthy? about Mozambique. Are we wealthy in this country because... Their Mozambique dollar is just crap, or are they it's a very possible. wealthy country? They have a, they have a GDP of thirty-seven billion dollars, though, so that's not bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's not. Bad. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, so without going further into the Mozambique ways and lifestyle capital Maputo, by the way. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about NHL hockey, which is about the furthest thing, I imagine, from Mozambique that you can get. But hey, you know, I'm sure That's that a, a hockey player sport. has been to Mozambique at some point. Uh, where do we want to start tonight? Let's talk about some shout-outs, some shout-outs that we owe all of you, because we tweeted a couple of days ago uh, that you should follow our friend Josh, who is starting a podcast uh, he is a senior in high school from Maine who is already wildly more accomplished in life oh, than either yes. of us. But he uh, reached out to us because he needed a mentor for this podcast assignment, or for the, it wasn't like a podcasting assignment. That would be oddly specific. But this assignment about which he chose to do a podcast, or for which he chose to do a podcast. Anyway, we tweeted to all of you asking you to give his new podcast count an account, a follow. Uh, it's the Between Two Posts Podcasts or BTP Podcast at BTP Podcast on Twitter. Uh, and several of you followed him. So I know two of you specifically shouted out that you were doing it. And so I will call you out at the end. But several of our followers followed him. And I'm just going to assume that's how. So we're going to name them all, which is uh, the Blues NHL podcast. They probably arrived at it independently. But, you know, who, mm -hmm. who knows? Uh, Shane Doherty, Miles Blues, PBK Man, BluesRants.com also... Very possible they arrived at it independently, but who knows? Uh, NHL insider Thanos, who <laughs> is at Ekblad Jesus on Twitter, who we've been okay. following for a while. Uh, Ray Standifer, and then, of course, uh, tied for number one in our hearts, according to them and us, <laughs> and mostly them, the world. Jake Webb and Justin Horniker, former guest co host. And probably future guest co-hosts. So there you go. Uh, thank you all for following. Uh, 
the Between Two Posts podcast. If you haven't done that already, uh, go and give him a follow. I think it's too early to tell you about the awesome news we found out about one of his early episodes today, but he's going to have probably a pretty cool guest on there. So that'll be Mm -hmm. cool if it comes to fruition. So keep... Uh, keep track of him. He's going places. He's going to take over the state of Maine, which I imagine isn't hard with the ducks and the, the, the what are people from Maine called? The maniacs. It's probably very <laughs> easy. So uh, most of all, he was a Boston Bruins fan and then chose to be a St. Louis Blues fan. So he is eminently deserving of your pity and your <laughs> love and support. So give him a follow if you haven't. And thanks to those of you who did. Uh, why don't we move on to some Blues news, which let's start with the best news of them all. Jaden Schwartz left today's world championship game clutching his arm in pain. Uh, He is currently, I don't know, probably listed as out with an upper body injury or something. Uh, But not good news for Schwartz. Do you have any more information Mm. than that? No, I'm sure we'll hear more in the coming days. But is he like our new... He's our new Carlo Koliakovo, except we need Jaden Schwartz. Yeah. He's our new Splody Bones. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I was not ready for that. Yes, uh, we do need Splody Bones back on this team. <laughs> so if this could be at the very worst, like a minor broken arm, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, uh, you brought up a good point earlier, texting yes. each other. Who's running I someone into the boards in <laughs> the, the world championships? I don't know. Probably Radko Gudis because he's probably from some strange company yeah. that needs players. What asshole was like <laughs> the the world Jane championship? Schwartz <laughs> yeah. is over there, and I've got to kill him. And this tournament matters so much to me. <laughs> You're right; it would be like a Radko Gudis. It's someone that's not this lifting the, the cup. Be- this is the best <laughs> thing I'll ever do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's very possible. That's my suspect. Uh, let us know if you know who it was. We probably could find out, but we're too lazy to this say. Is, Yeah, this is an internet age. We're just going to pick someone, and we hate them now. Uh, yeah, and Radko Gudas is imminently hateable, and I've used imminently twice already, so who knows where we're going to end up today, <laughs> folks. Uh, why don't you tell us, once you're finished with that drink that you're taking at this awkward time. Oh, I gotta time, finish the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> no. About uh, Auntie Sumella, who is a Finnish center that Martin Brodeur is speaking to about possibly coming to Blues Camp. Of course, the Blues, having had such a rich and successful history <laughs> with Finnish centers in the recent past, why don't you tell us about this big gamble we're going to take? Well... As you said, Anti Sumella, he's a Finnish, uh, I believe, center, which is something we need. Uh, this year he played 59 games in the Finnish Elite League, otherwise known as, I think it's like La Liga, Li- yeah, Liga, L-I-I-G-A, Liga. <laughs> 59 games, 60 points, 21 goals, 39 assists. Uh, playoffs weren't too, weren't too long for whatever team he was on, JYP. I don't know what that is. Um, junkyard pogs. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, only six games played three points, but he's 24 years old, uh, six foot tall, 172 pounds. So kind of light shoots left. We need more of those. Um, we don't. (laughs) He's from, uh, he was discussed during the trade segment though. There aren't any people that Mm. shoot right. So. Anti is born in a city in Finland. It is called Espoo. <laughs> we gotta E-S-P-O-O. get him. 
We gotta get him because imagine what uh, Pierre can do with that name. Oh yeah. Oh God, you're right. He could just talk about so much about Espoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's it would be interesting gamble. I'm all for bringing over players from leagues where. I mean, I guess you can draft out of the Finnish league. There's plenty of players that get drafted out of that league, but from a league where you can get people undrafted, you know, that's mm-hmm. something I think on the Steve Dangle podcast they talked about is like utilizing sort of underutilized means of getting players other than the draft. You can, yeah. Or maybe through the draft too, but going over to these leagues and talking to players, even smaller leagues than this, or uh, sort of hitting up undrafted players that sort of fell through the cracks maybe through college you know Mm. in the u.s there's always a way and there's always a player i'd say maybe one a year maybe every other year where all of a sudden you're like who the hell is this guy on some random team like oh he was undrafted and we grabbed him from like the czech elite league Mm -hmm. tier two and he's amazing now and it's like it's always nice to have a few little options in your back pocket to Mm -hmm. look at so this could be one he could also turn into another I think it was it Joachim Lindstrom who we brought over at the same time as Laterra, and I was like, I, he sounds cool, and I I think he's in a grave now. <laughs> oh, hopefully. Oh, he's not. Hopefully, dead. He's Auntie alive. won't be buried. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. So, um, and as you kind of hinted at, uh, we can just invite him over to our camp, mm-hmm. and then potentially sign him if he looks good. There's no sort of draft restriction or anything yeah. on him. And if he stinks, did we'll you have say it. how old he is? Twenty four. Twenty four. Okay. If he stinks, we'll just bury him in the AHL, a team yeah. that we now the thing have. Is, and we're can not, do that. We're with. not going to give him like the the Latera contract right out of the gate. And here's the thing: we <laughs> right out of the gate, right, right. <laughs> and we talk a lot of crap about Latera, and that contract was. Too bad and too soon for sure. But the year Laterra was good was exactly what you were just talking about. We were all, other people at least, were like, who the heck is this guy? And we were like, oh, Armstrong's such a genius for finding this guy and convincing him to come over. Mm. So, like, it can work, and it did work with Laterra. It just went south really fast. And it's not necessarily on Armstrong to have predicted quite that level of regression. Obviously, we can say that he overcommitted with the contract with too little proof in the NHL, but it was a really good first season for Laterra. And he made uh, Tarasenko look really good and uh, obviously vice versa is Mm -hmm. the argument there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a no-risk thing to get him to come to camp. You know, at the, mm. at the at the least. So, uh, keep an eye out for anti Sumela news, and we'll keep you posted if anything changes. Uh, then uh, we have some Blues prospect news to talk about. Last week, I believe we discussed uh, that Jordan Cairo was named the mm. OHL Player of the Year. Uh, which is a an award that has recently been won by the likes of Connor McDavid and I think Mitch Marner and Vincent Trocheck, um, Connor Brown. So uh, not a bad not a bad company mm-hmm. to find yourself in. Um, but this week, uh, Robert Thomas, the Blues, uh, the Blues center prospect. I was looking at the word goaltender, so I was like, that's not right. (laughs) The Blues center prospect, Robert Thomas, uh, was named the, basically the OHL's equivalent of the Conn Smythe, the playoff MVP. Uh, You've got some numbers that you'll read to Mm -hmm. us in a minute, but uh, at the same, roughly the same time, Evan Fitzpatrick, who's maybe a a little, 
a little lesser discussed Blues uh, goaltending prospect because he uh, is distinctly younger than Villy Huso and a lot farther mm-hmm. off because goalies take forever to develop, uh, took his QMJHL team, which is, uh, I know has been just referred to as Titan because people can't pronounce the hyphenated French name that is spelled Akadi Bathurst, but mm-hmm. I'm sure isn't that. Um, <laughs> but he and the Titan won the QMJHL uh, Cup, correct? Mm-hmm. Which will mean that both Thomas and uh, Fitzpatrick will be playing in the Memorial Cup, which you'll explain to us in a moment. So I believe you have some numbers and statistics you want to dis- discuss on all that. So why don't you take it away? Oh, no numbers. Oh, no numbers. <laughs> Did you have Thomas's playoff numbers, or should I look those up? Uh, you can take Thomas's playoff numbers. I was looking at Fitzpatrick's, uh, let's see, his goalie numbers. So he played for a different team. I can't remember which it was. It was the Sherbrooke Phoenix, the which Sh- is very easy to say. So why didn't you just <laughs> stay there? So he got then traded, yes, to a Cody Bath Bathurst. I'm sure Bathurst. Um, and did really well there, I think. The Sherbrooke Phoenix weren't doing overly well when he was there, and so you end up just kind of being a product of a crappy team in front of you. But with uh, the Bathurst Titan, I'm not even going to go for Akadi. Um, <laughs> he had a .915 save percentage, which is actually fairly good in the QMJHL. That's a high-scoring league, so .915 isn't really all that bad. A 2.24 goals against average, 17 wins and 3 losses. That's That's some really good... Those are some really good numbers for a guy that young, a guy that got traded halfway through the year that really could have like sort of snuck up on you, especially for a young kid. But he managed to grab the reins and really looked a lot better in the second half of the season. And then through the playoffs, he played outstanding. He had uh, 29 saves on 30 shots in their final game to win the uh, QMJHL, whatever it is, their trophy championship. Mm-hmm. So I think he's kind of a dark horse for a future goaltender for the Blues. It's one season. He's got Huso's obviously above him, and goalies always take a lot longer. You might not see this guy if he stays with the organization five, You know, in five years he yeah. might be here. But you always need that kind of slow churn of a couple different goalies at different stages of development so that you have that in your back pocket rather than having to be, I don't know, let's say the Calgary Flames who have to constantly every year just grab at a UFA goalie and just hope for the best because they've got nothing back there. They've just got nothing. So as much as I like to rail on Jake Allen. Do they have Carter Hart, by the way? Is that finally their solution? Oh, for the Flames? Yeah. Uh, They might. And even then, that's kind of Philadelphia Flyers. Nope, so no, no, nope. they got nothing. That. But I say as much like to rail on Jake Allen. You know, he's here. He's kind of keeping keeping the team afloat between the pipes. And then you've got guys like yeah, Billy Huso, Evan Fitzpatrick. Um, we've still got uh, Jordan Benenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenen
and we'll talk about what the Memorial Cup is here in a minute. Um, just some more on Patrick before we transition over to Thomas a little mm-hmm. bit, because uh, I have some numbers on him. I remember Jr. Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic was asked specifically about Fitzpatrick and his latest mailbag. The Athletic is awesome. You should subscribe if you don't, yada, yada, yada. We say that all the time. Uh, but uh, he was asked specifically, and he said, I'm glad you asked this question, Sam because I guess that's the Great name job, of the guy Sam. who asked him. Uh, because it seems like Fitzpatrick has won the QMJHL Player of the Week every week for the past month. Uh, for those readers not familiar with Fitzpatrick, he's 6'3", 202 pounds, 20 years old from Newfoundland. Uh, the Blues took him in the second round, 59th overall, 2016 draft. I know... I'm probably repeating some of what you said. He says, I've asked Marty Brodeur about him a couple of times the past couple of years, and Marty smiles and says, that's my guy. Which, if you're Marty Brodeur's guy and you're a goalie, that's good, I guess. A little silly, Mm. but good. (laughs) Uh, Fitzpatrick was pretty good with Sherbrooke, but he's been lights out ever since being traded to uh, Titan in January. (laughs) He went into Game 1, the QMJHL Finals, with a record of 12-2 in the year's playoffs with a 199 goals against... 927 save percentage. Uh, He says, I asked Tim Taylor, who's the Blues Director of Player Development, about Fitzpatrick. He says he's played extremely well since his trade. He is competing more instead of relying on technique. He's concentrating on winning and not save percentage. And then with all of that said, I think the important line here is, I don't think we can really compare Fitzpatrick and Huso at this point. Huso is 23, has played in the Finnish Elite League, and has two years in the minors. Both appear to have pretty bright futures, and it's too difficult to tell if and when they end up with the Blues. Uh, I would think Huso will be within the next two years. I don't mm-hmm. think it's that difficult to <laughs> tell with him. They always um, want to be so conservative. Yes, but, that I mean, look, like exactly like you said, that slow churn with goalies is incredible. It's really important, and you only need to hit once every decade, right, mm-hmm. with a goalie because you can keep them pretty easily and all that. Um, and to be honest, Jake Allen was one of these guys once, you know, mm-hmm. and for all our problems with Jake Allen now, there's still a lot of goalies you wouldn't rather have be your goalie than Jake Allen, mm-hmm. especially if the contract wasn't a factor. Um, so moving on to Robert Thomas uh, from Jim Thomas of the Post-Dispatch, he gives these Unrelated. statistics. Not as far as I know, yes, there's no relation. You always have to say that if uh, you're in sports. I guess so, that's true. Um, <laughs> Thomas finished the OHL playoffs with 32 points in 21 games. He scored 12 goals and 20 assists, which is about the ratio you'd want from a center. Mm-hmm. Um, and he won the Wayne Gretzky 99 award as the OHL playoff most valuable player. Uh, so very... Uh, very good numbers for Thomas, and I think the only challenge with Robert Thomas right now is just trying to at all restrain your expectations mm-hmm. for him. Uh, I am so, so excited for Robert Thomas, and when we talk about trades um, later in the episode, I, there's just no trade that you could make mm-hmm. involving Robert Thomas, because... 
he's not as valuable. You mentioned this yeah. earlier. I don't want to steal credit for what you have said, but he's not as valuable to any other team as he is to you. And he may be very valuable to some other teams, mm-hmm. but he's a prospect. So there's not going to be like a Johnny Gaudreau for Robert Thomas straight up sort of trade. He's unproven and he wasn't like a first overall type draft pick in that sense. So I just think the Blues have to hold on to him and pray that he's everything that they dream he will be. Mm -hmm. I think the Robert Thomas trade argument draws a line for the age of different fans. I feel like older fans are more willing to trade him because they want a cup now and they know he's got a lot of value and they just want someone that produces now. So he's thrown into different trade packages and you know fantasy trades like that online. But I think younger fans... You and I alike are kind of like, look, we can grow with this guy, and he can kind of help this team as he grows with us. He already looks like an amazing prospect. There's no reason to trade him, especially when this is someone we need as far as centers are concerned, or even just point-getters are concerned. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I see a lot of people that are older. They're like, oh, we can get rid of him. It's like, no, 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 no. I I promise you, or I should say I hope, that he's going to be an answer to something we've desperately needed for a long time. Yeah. He's yeah. less of a question mark than, say, other random picks that haven't been made yet. So don't trade him for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so now, as you mentioned, both of them will be playing in the Memorial Cup, uh, which is a hugely important tournament uh, for Canadian junior hockey. And just, I think, for I think Canadians pay a lot of attention to it and hold it in very high esteem. Mm-hmm. Um Arguably, in some ways, the most prestigious thing outside of the Stanley Cup that you can win. Probably, in some ways, more prestigious than the AHL, whatever, Calder Cup or whatever Mm -hmm. their trophy's called. Uh, So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that is? So, do you mean the Memorial Cup is the championship? It's the championship for the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, which doesn't exist only in Canada, much like the NHL. There's a few teams... That are in Oregon and Washington, I believe. A few of these stretch outside of their respective provincial uh, borders as well. So you have the CHL, and it's made up of three separate leagues within it. The OHL, the Ontario Hockey League. The QMJHL, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Because nothing can be easy in Quebec. (laughs) And the Western Hockey League, the WAHL. I'm sure sure in in Quebec it's... LHQMJ or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's something real dumb. (laughs) (laughs) So these are three separate leagues, and much like baseball before they had interleague play, these three leagues do not play each other during the season. They just play within themselves. They're completely separate. They just fall under the umbrella of the CHL. So you end up having a champion of each of those three leagues. They play you know, their own little playoff series. You end up with a champion. So you have three champions in the CHL. So what they do now and what they've done for a while is they do a round robin between those three champions for the memorial cup now they used to just do three teams now they do a fourth team so the memorial cup is normally in a city that bids for it so it's never they don't go back and forth like in a stanley cup playoff thing you know to one city and then the other because it's a round robin they just play one game against each other So it's in a neutral zone. So different cities in the CHL that have a junior team bid for it. So what ends up happening is they add a fourth team, which is that host city's team. So that team 
could just be god awful <laughs> and just get bounced immediately, which I find hilarious. How do they, uh, you may not know yeah. the answer to either of these questions, so forgive me for putting you no, on the spot. No. But I'm curious how they determine which team faces that team. Is it the best regular season record of the clubs that won their respective cups, or? Well, they do the round robin still. Oh, so, sorry. Okay. Yeah, How they do the round that? robin still. You said that. I'm an idiot and didn't <laughs> no. realize what round robin meant. But so, so yeah, you do a round robin between four teams. So each team plays three games, mm-hmm. and then the team, the two teams with the best record, play each other, and then the two teams with the worst play for third place mm-hmm. or whatever. What's funny is you can have. Let's say you're bidding on your city's bidding to host the Memorial Cup, and let's say this year it was the Hamilton Bulldogs, which actually that was going to be my yeah, next question. Which won the OHL? So what do you do? What they do is they take the runner up to that championship of that specific league and put them in as the fourth team. Nice. So whoever Hamilton beat this year, mm-hmm. that team gets to show up again and possibly beat Hamilton for the bigger cup. This is dope. I want to watch every which second. has <laughs> happened before. <laughs> That's and awesome. There's an instance where the team that got beat for their respective league's championship then went to the bigger playoff tournament. And beat that team that had beaten them for the bigger thing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, So this year what you have is Hamilton Bulldogs from the OHL, uh, Acadie Bathurst (laughs) Titan from the QMJHL. We're actually not in Quebec. They're in, I believe, New Brunswick. You have the Swift Current Broncos from the WHL. And you have the host city of Regina with the Regina Pats. Regina being oh, in yeah, Saskatchewan. Baby. So that's your four Not teams. Not to be confused with Kitchener, Ontario, which they wouldn't be in any way, but I just love the name. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let's name other names in Canada we love. <laughs> I like Red Deer. The oh, further yeah. west you Moose go, Jaw, the weirder the names get. Yeah. And then they true. start turning into just na- yeah, Moose Jaw, Red Deer. Like. That's Saskatchewan, though. Moose yeah, Jaw, yeah. Right? So it's in the east. but Well, Saskatchewan's in the middle. Fine. It's fine. west of Manitoba. Yes, you're right, and I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, so the Memorial Cup runs May 18th through the 27th, which is kind of long for all that. It's it's. I mean, I guess they don't play multiple games on days, so it's literally one game a day for a round robin, so that's how it goes so long. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. We've got two players in it. They'll be going up and playing against each other, and we'll see if Robert Thomas just lights up Evan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> no, Fitzpatrick never has any prayer in the NHL. Well, that's what's kind of crazy about this, too, is the best forwards and defenders in, like, the CHL, like the Robert Thomas, mm-hmm. will be an NHL player next year. And Evan Fitzpatrick, as good as he's been, is three or four years minimum mm-hmm. from playing in the NHL. So it is kind of funny that they're just going to probably skate circles around these yeah. goalies because while they're at the same level, they're kind of not at yeah. the same time. And to that point, too, and we'll probably talk about this as the summer goes on too. Robert Thomas is kind of going to make this team unless he just coughs it up and looks terrible, which I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. He makes this team because he's in the age bracket where if he's not on the Blues, he's on his junior team again. Yeah. He can't play in the AHL, mm-hmm. and you just won the playoff MVP. You were up by like four or five points on the next player on your team. For scoring, mm. you like there's nothing left yeah. for you in juniors. There's just not. And I think it's similar to when Robbie Fabry came exactly. up. He was of the same situation where you have to be 
I think, 20, right, to graduate juniors and go to the AHL. Yeah, something like and that. And he won't be. Thomas will still be 19 next year by the deadline at least. Um, so, yeah, so Fabry got his tryout because you get that 10-game period yeah. or whatever where you can still be sent down to the juniors. And then they did the big, you know, video where, like, oh, they told right. him to stay I up. Forgot. But, like, we knew at that point <laughs> that he was staying up because mm-hmm. he wasn't, like, he didn't look totally lost on an NHL ring, and there was no reason to send him down. So, yeah, I think Robert Thomas is uh, a pretty much a guarantee mm-hmm. on this team, barring injury so or get pumped. trade, or uh, which, oh, as we said, oh. won't probably happen, or some other unforeseen circumstance. So, uh, from the Memorial Cup to the Stanley Cup, let's talk about some of the uh, current NHL playoff races, which isn't what I wanted to say at all. Series, that's what I was looking for. And by some of the current, I mean the The two. two. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a real smashing start (laughs) for us. Last night, the Vegas Golden Knights. You want to start with the Vegas Golden Knights or you want to start with Washington? Let's start with Vegas. Last night, the Vegas Golden (laughs) Knights uh, took it to the Winnipeg Jets uh, and beat them to take a 2-1 series lead in the first game after they returned to Vegas. Uh, what was the final score last night? Uh, 4-2, 4-2, I think. 4-2, right. Um, so the Knights are now as far as the Blues have ever gotten towards winning a Stanley Cup. And for anyone out there saying, well, they've been in the Stanley Cup finals, you know what I mean. It's win-based, win yeah. Yeah, they were a sacrificial lamb in the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals. When they were a real team, they've never gotten farther than two victories in the Western Conference Final, which they did oh. during our lifetime, which is sad for <laughs> all the fans before our lifetime. Um, Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Vegas continues to defy every odd. I think everyone now at this point is beyond any sort of, well, this can't be real, you know, because it's real. (sighs) It's real, baby. (laughs) They're real and they're spectacular. It still doesn't... This feels real, but I think if they make the Stanley Cup Finals, I'm going to have to, like, do the old rub your eyes with your fists. I'm like, I don't like... I don't get it. Yeah, and they're gonna. I I think... I I think they might at this point. I've already pictured in my head when... uh, England, because that's got to be the guy that lifts the cup first for them. He's yes. from Vegas. Especially if it's in, if they yeah. win it in Vegas. He lifts it, and I'm still just going to be staring at it like, I don't get it. Did they win? So, we've discussed, and I've gone back and forth more so than you have. You've been very pure of heart. But there's been times oh, where I've been very bitter and said, screw <laughs> these guys, you know. And I, th- I think one of the things... I understand the sentiment. One of the only things that gives me pause, or not gives me pause, but promotes me to say that is... I, I have I have a couple of friends that I you know kind of know or people I respect online that are from Vegas and are Knights fans, and they're like really excited and they should be right. I mean I get that, mm-hmm. but they have no idea what it should take to win a Stanley <laughs> Cup, you know. And like that's not really a reason to be like screw mm-hmm. this team. But there is a part of me that's like. I want you, for your sake, to understand the magnitude of what you're doing. And not even in, like, a don't do it and don't want it sort of way, but just in a, like, I don't want it to feel cheap. I don't want you to feel like you should do this all the time because you shouldn't because it's crazy hard. And there are lots of great franchises that have never done it. And lots of okay franchises (laughs) like the Blues, don't get me wrong. But, like, so that's the one area where I'm kind of like, 
this is unprecedented. And I've said it to you offline. I may have said it on the air before. I think there are challenges to them carrying this forward, not the least of which is, you know, retaining a lot of their guys Mm -hmm. that are on one-year deals and keeping the chemistry however they want it. But uh, I think, a lot, you know, obviously the Jets aren't writing them off at this point. Mm -hmm. But I do think there was probably a lot this season, you know, their talk of the Vegas flu and people not playing well in that building. Some of that is the new destination of Vegas. Some of that is the impossible to avoid reality that you're just going to write off an expansion team Mm -hmm. for the first, you know, at least 30 or 40 games, you think. That's not going to happen if they win the friggin' Stanley Cup (laughs) or even make the finals or even come really, really close to the finals. Um, Some of their guys are shooting at absurd percentages. I, I, I do question. I don't question the talent on that team necessarily, but I do question if there is an elite they are as elite a team as some of the teams in their division, talent-wise. <coughs> William Carlson. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, a guy who's yeah. never scored six goals in the NHL before suddenly scores 43. He had like a 24% shooting percentage. Right. That's ridiculous. Uh, Brad Boys scored 40 a season, right? I'm not saying William Carlson is Brad Boys. I'm just saying <laughs> it's not unprecedented that a player would score 40 goals and then become nothing. You right? heard it. You heard it here. I don't want to pull, I don't want to rain on their par- parade. That's not what I'm about. No, no. It's awesome for them. Uh, I understand the. Sentiment. I don't think there's a team. I don't think there's a final matchup at this point that would really disappoint me or be boring. I kind of don't want Tampa there just because they've won it before. But mm-hmm. whatever would be cool. I think in some ways Vegas versus Washington is the coolest because mm-hmm. it's like the old guys versus the desperate guys, and of course it's McPhee versus his old team. Um, <laughs> Flurry versus the Penguins isn't an option anymore, you know. But, oh yes, um, yeah. So, uh, but I don't see any reason to write off the Knights at this point. I love so, the Knights. Yeah, I love them. Talk they've, about how awesome you think they've they are. made me. Almost, I don't know. They haven't made me hate the Jets, but they made me just kind of drop the Jets. I'm like, okay, the Jets were fun for a while, Man, but now it's the like Knights. Hard on the Jets. You know, I, I would still be happy. Either one winning is fine. They're both great, fun teams. Oh, they, yeah, the series has been a lot of fun. Even the other series we'll get to has been a boatload of fun to watch. It kind of makes me wonder. I'm like, oh, man, no wonder the Blues weren't here. This, we weren't that fun. Yeah. Um, but with Vegas, I've got a question. Do you feel kind of almost sort of bad for their fans? Because you're like, wow, I don't know what you're going to feel like next year. When they're yeah. not as good. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at with yeah. the whole you need to know how mm-hmm. hard it is. It's like they're not I, – I don't think this is repeatable because I do think – and writers have said this, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think a big part of what's united them – and I, this isn't like an insult to, insult to them. Everyone has something that they use as fuel unless they're the blues and they don't have things <laughs> that they use as fuel and you see what happens to Just that team. Just our tears. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, a big part of their narrative internally has been, hey, we're the scruffy underdogs that everyone's writing off that no one believes in. Every one of us is a reject from another team, you know, who some team didn't want mm-hmm. and let go or for or, whatever reason. Let or we're go. dumb enough to yeah, let go. Right, exactly. Uh, and and so we, we have to pr- band together and prove 
what we are. Obviously, Gerard Gallant is a friggin' phenomenal coach. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced George McPhee is a friggin' phenomenal GM. He's still the guy that traded uh, <laughs> Philip Forsberg for uh, oh, E-Rat. Martin Erat. Yeah, so, Oof. but my point in bringing that up is you can try to bring that narrative forward if you win a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. or even if you're Stanley Cup finals. The problem with that is, A, how easily are you going to believe that your scrappy underdogs who were no worse than six games away from the Cup final or from winning the Cup mm-hmm. last year? And secondly, even if you convince yourself that you're underdogs, the other teams aren't actually believing that at this point. So, yeah, my to answer your question... I do think if it goes bad for them, I do feel kind of bad for their fans. And I'm curious what level of, of faithfulness they'll have, especially as the the Raiders come to town. And, and as I, I think I've said in the past on this, but maybe I haven't, I'm certain I, am, I would put a lot of money on the line that Vegas will be a four-sport town by like... 2025 because mm-hmm. they already had the basketball venue the i'm surprised they don't teams, have the team yeah. yeah i mean that'll be in the next year or two Easy. I, yeah it could you could just move a bad team or you could whatever you know the the football team's already guaranteed mm-hmm. it's already happening they're building the stadium and then i know baseball wants to go there as that market evolves it will be interesting to see and as the team changes it'll be interesting to see how well they continue to do and how the fan base sticks around they're always going to have been first they're always mm-hmm. going to have been there after the tragedy there you can't take that stuff away i'm not saying i don't think T-Mobile Arena is going to be a ghost town in two years. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, I mean, the, the teams have, or writers have talked about in the past, the only difference between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida uh, Panthers is that the Lightning won a cup, and that's why they have a sustainable fan base, mm-hmm. you know. So if they do it, they'll have done it. And you can't take that away from <laughs> yeah. them. But it's going to be a very interesting narrative to continue to track uh, going forward. Do you have more to actually say about that series? Yes, okay. I do. Because what I was thinking was... This guy just won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Vegas being up 2-1. And I think a lot of people... You're obviously talking about the win the day after the game. But I don't know if it's... I don't know if 2-1 is enough... You know, to call it a win necessarily. Obviously, it's not. You got to win four games, but no, I'd say. Right. But it's almost one-one in my mind. Looking at some of the stats of Winnipeg, still across these three games, leading in possession stats, fifty-three point five percent for Corsi four one five on five across all three games. Uh, they've led in five v five Corsi four percentage each individual game. And I really Which, think, sh- of course, is, since we haven't said it recently, mm-hmm. is a stat that's designed to measure overall control of the mm-hmm. game flow. Yeah, exactly. It has everything to do with you controlling the puck, more mm-hmm. or less. So Winnipeg and the chances. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because you got the puck. You can't have you chances know what? without the puck. You know, some people don't know. Okay. I'm I'm gonna say this, folks. If, if I, you're listening to this podcast, I think you know more than we do. I that's think probably true. You're educated as hell when much. it comes to that. All I'm saying is, if I if I talked baseball and started saying UZR and uh, friggin' I'd WRCP, you, you would know what I was talking about. So people, I'd need walk out the door. Some foundation is all I'm saying. You can look it up on our website that doesn't exist. In progress, uh, there's. 
caution tape around it. <laughs> Don't enter. It's a hole. But it's right been now. discussed. It's, been, it's in the pre-alpha phase. Much, much like you can walk into an elevator and die, like you're on a soap opera. Eventually, the elevator may be there, exactly. or it may be permanently out of order. Two guys no cup dot com. <laughs> um, I really think this this series right now has been. Marc-Andre Fleury standing on his head. He made two amazing saves back-to-back last night. And then Vegas is a really interesting team that just capitalizes on any chance they get. They score off the rush all the time. They had at least two goals yesterday where it was the Jets having two amazing chances, three amazing chances of sustained pressure in Vegas' zone. They'd break out, they'd go the other way, and they'd score. And that's super frustrating. That can kill a, that can kill a team in a series for sure. I'm sure it'd kill the Blues. <laughs> God, we just riff on this team. Um, and you can see it on the Jets' faces when I've watched these games. They look frustrated as hell. They know they're doing the right thing. They might have let off the gas a little yesterday. I think Paul Maurice, they showed a little video of him just screaming up and down the bench, which I guess supposedly doesn't do all that often. But I think they're trying very hard. They're doing all the right things. They just can't seem to break through. Mm-hmm. And every time Vegas touches the puck, it seemingly turns to gold. And yeah. it's like, what do you want me to do as the opposition? Unintended. Yeah, exactly. of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I wouldn't say that sloppily or accidentally at all. Uh, the other thing I think that is important to keep in mind when we discuss this series, though, and this maybe goes against your point a little bit, but I'm not trying to make it do that. It's just that the Jets haven't been here before either. True. Like, if this had been Vegas versus Nashville, and Nashville were down 2-1 right now, we'd all all be able to say, well, Nashville are proven playoff performers, and I can't remember what direction any of their series went last year, but, you know, the sort of they've been here before. Whether or not they have, that's what you say during the playoffs. (laughs) Um and that sort of thing. And yeah, in a sense, like the Jets have been preparing for this longer as a unit. It's their first year in the playoffs, right? For Or were they, they there they, last year but got bounced they early? Had, they were in two years ago, but they got swept out immediately yeah. by Anaheim. This is the first so time they Basically, yeah. it's their first real run. It was the first time they won a playoff game as a franchise. So, yeah, since, pretty much. At least since the first time or ever. Well, since being the Thrashers since, as a okay. franchise in that sense. Well, yeah, because the original Jets are now the what? The and yeah. Uh, friggin' NHL. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so my point in saying that is, like, they can definitely bounce back. I shouldn't have implied the series is over. It's not. No, no, you didn't. The Jets are frigging loaded with talent. Mm. I don't think we spend enough time discussing how loaded with talent they are. Uh, they've got way more talent than the Knights do on paper, mm-hmm. by far, no questions asked. But how far can talent get you? Can they overcome the Vegas curse or the Vegas flu or whatever you want to call it now that they have to win a game in Vegas? Or, uh, the, I guess, theoretically, no, they have to. They have yeah. to win one in Vegas <laughs> to win the series. But... Um, and you touched on it being Flurry standing on his head. He could just do that for six more wins. Mm-hmm. He's done it for ten so far, you know. And I think the interesting discussion with Flurry is, you know, I heard from Wyshynski. I think it was Wyshynski and Lozo on the Puck Soup podcast. It may have been some other podcast. But there are people in Pittsburgh for whom the narrative is not, 
oh, Mark Andre Fleury, he's our hero that helped oh, us win yeah. three cups. But oh, Mark Andre Fleury, he's that rat that cost us several cups, which of course is nonsense. That's batshit. And insane. not even if it, even if there was an element of truth to it, the fact that you could be so entitled and arrogant as to think of your team as not having won three cups in a decade, but having not <laughs> won more cups than that, is inconceivable. And I'm part of the fan base that calls themselves the best fans in baseball, <laughs> so I know a thing or two about sports fan arrogance. But anyway. All of that is to say that I wonder that Flurry doesn't has still have a bit of underdog in himself where he's like, no, if if I have to carry the carcass of this <laughs> Frankenstein monster of a team across the finish line single handedly, I'm finally going to prove that I yeah. am really that guy. And, and it touches on the same thing I think Puck Soup talked about this where Milbury or somebody said something a couple of weeks ago about Marc-Andre Fleury blossoming into a superstar. No pun intended. Uh, and he probably didn't say blossom because nobody on the NBC crew is witty enough to make that pun that I thought of. But, um, but and even Wyshynski and Lozo had a bit, little bit of a disagreement where Lozo was like, obviously he's a superstar. And Wyshynski was like, but is he? And so, like, if he wins this cup for Vegas... Oh, no doubt. He is. And he's their biggest player for sure. So, you know, there's stuff on the line even for him. You might be out there thinking, well, Fleury's done it all. What does he have left to prove? Apparently something, because mm-hmm. he's proving it with an absurd postseason performance and a guaranteed con Smythe if they win the whole oh, thing. Yeah, easy. Like he could he's the type of player who's been so friggin' good he could win the con Smythe if they like went to game seven of the finals and lost. He won't, <laughs> but I think it's happened maybe once or twice. It's happened at least once. And yeah. he could do it again. Uh so sorry. Did you have more to say on this series? Oh, and no. You want to move on to the less numerically interesting but just as compelling series that now has uh, the oh, yeah. series tied, I believe, at 2-2 two to two after Tampa Bay finished out uh, with a 4-2 victory. I'm assuming the fourth goal was in uh, was with an empty net. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, but yes, Tampa Bay, of course, after Washington <laughs> won two games in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has now won two in, or is with, it started in Tampa yeah. Bay, right? Two in Washington. They've all won on the road. Uh, so... Were you telling me, and I think I saw it a couple different places. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I was telling you. Go on, A team that's gone up two games on the road Uh in the conference finals, as the Capitals have. Continue. Yes. Are 12 and 0. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. So this is just a new way uh-huh. for the Capitals a new way. to a disappoint their world. fans. An inconceivable, a brand new place we've never been. <sighs> the Capitals outshot the Tampa Bay Lightning almost at a two to one quip tonight, thirty-eight to twenty, and oh, it would have been no. thirty-eight to nineteen had this little twit Anthony Sorelli, who I even on the Lightning have never heard of before, mm. scored an empty net goal with. 19 with two seconds left in the game. So it would have been Great a legit. Great going, Anthony. Uh-huh. Great going, Anthony. <laughs> Way to go, you puke. So it would have been a legit, <laughs> a legit two to one out shooting that they still lost. 
Oh no! Oh, I, had a, I had this whole thing about how good the caps are, and now do it's gone. It, capitals, just do it. Just do it. Just did this no. is the whole rest of the podcast. Just, <laughs> just do, do it. it. Sponsored by Nike. <laughs> um, now what? I forgot to tell you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to go sponsor. on this tangent on the air. I can't wait. That that cult that I was telling you, folks, watch the show Wild Wild Country on Netflix if you haven't yet. I'm convinced Give you it a like. to watch it. One of the people tangentially involved in that story oh, is a no. co-founder of Nike. So there you go. Oh, well, it's an Oregon. Uh, well, yeah. Well, there you, you may have known that, but not everybody knows these things. Anyway. Look, I'm just filled with knowledge. <laughs> I also love the idea that Oregon, which is a very big state, would naturally Naturally involved the co-founder of yeah, Nike, that's just a, because he's one of its residents. Yeah. Uh, so the ducks, Nike, go on, <laughs> and nothing else. Uh, so anyway, uh, why did I bring that up? Just do it. Yes, just do it. Capitals. Now, what do you want them to just do? I want them to just at least get to the Cup final, please. Because oh, I want them, and I'll wait. I want them to just dagger Fail. themselves. Oh. I mean, there's a part of me that will just laugh oh. endlessly about. I don't know it. if this is the right, like, the right metaphor, but just or the right turn of phrase. Just fall on the sword, fall on your own sword. Yeah, just do so. it. I think it's appropriate. Just go for you it. You were going to ask me a question, or we were going to have a discussion on mm. air. So why don't you start that now? <laughs> oh, I don't even remember about what, but I got some questions written down here. Go for it. I think it was these. Do you think Ovechkin? Much like we were just talking about, Flurry can just will this team to win because I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, it's a very different thing that's for not a an, winger. Yeah, that's the thing. To that's will not a team to win, an indictment on him as an individual. I just don't think that position and what he does is enough, and that's not on and be, him. And one of the proofs of that is that he's already doing everything exactly. that the series is now two to do. <laughs> he made it a, just a positively absurd pass, which is supposedly like the weakest point of his game, passing, mm. to Kuznetsov to score what I think at the time was the 2-2 tying mm-hmm. goal. Um, I think he is playing with a freedom, kind of the monkey off his back of having finally passed Crosby and the physical freedom. And I think this is one of the things that the Penguins actually said afterwards was that one of the reasons that the that Ovi was so dominant in their series was that the Olympics hadn't happened or that he hadn't been allowed to play in them at least mm-hmm. and that it probably he helps. had yeah. a lot to prove. I mean, for for one thing, physically he had... Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, I guess he didn't have two less weeks on his legs because they still played games, although they would have played as many NHL games. The point is, he was also just pissed that he wasn't <laughs> able to prove himself in the Olympics, and so he proved himself in the playoffs. Can you imagine lifting a cup and then beating Gary Bettman over the head with it? <laughs> They're all booing Bettman, and he just stakes, skates over and slashes They're him like, across the back. Yes. <laughs> Uh, do I think he can will them to victory? No. Do I think this series is far from over? Yes. Do I think it's trending <laughs> in a really bad direction for the Lightning or for the Capitals? For sure. Yeah, just put the Blues which, jerseys on all those Capitals. Which is, just as a side note to kind of compare this to another sport we never touch on, basketball. The Celtics are up two to nothing, or at least were before tonight in their series against the Cavaliers. And the Celtics are something like 
37 and 0 in franchise history and series that they've been up to to nothing in. Mm-hmm. And I saw like an FS1 discussion and the the um Chiron like the the, yeah. the the title slide basically at the bottom was titled is it time for the LeBron and the Cavs to worry. And I was like yeah, <laughs> it's an, and my friend was like, "It's not time for them to panic," and I'm like, "Not panic necessarily, but worry for sure. Like, yeah. you lose the next game, and you're in an in insurmountable place. So yeah, yeah, it's time to worry. <laughs> and I think that's the same for the for the Capitals. Like, ostensibly, this series is just two two, but with all the weight of being the Capitals, it is so much. That's worse what I mean. Than as that. a as a Capitals fan, thinking like a Blues fan, and they're you know very similar. They can't lose the next game because then it's over. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, it's just three two. You just got to win two in a row. This is they're this, not gonna. Yeah, this is be- this is reminiscent of when when we were playing the. Blackhawks in, oh, yep. in 2016, I guess, was it two years ago now, uh, which is horrifying to think about in and of itself. But, We're getting very old. Uh, but anyway, I was talking to our ass correspondent, Jordan, I think, and some other people at the time who were like, hey, Blues are up 3-1 in the series. That's incredible. And I was like, yeah, but we have to win game five. And he was like, yeah, but you don't have to win game five. And I'm like, no, 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 because... <laughs> If we don't win game five, we're not winning a game six in Chicago. And if we don't win game six in Chicago, we're not winning a game seven in St. Louis <laughs> or a game seven regardless Anywhere, against yeah. the Blackhawks. And as it turns out, we did win a game seven, although not without much consternation. But we blew a game six and we blew a game five and I was mostly right about my prediction. And you know, the cats are feeling a lot of the exact same things. They got to win game five. Yeah. They They got to win for sure. Uh, so you have more to say about that series? Are you ready to move on? You had other questions. You mentioned multiple questions. Mm, I just think the city of Washington DC needs to put their arms better. (laughs) Needs to put their arms to the sky and uh, donate some of their energy to the spirit bomb that is Alexander Ovechkin, (laughs) because he needs it. He doesn't. Well, he doesn't need it. He's doing his best, but he needs that extra energy. Um, That or Alexander Ovechkin needs to find Sidney Crosby and do the fusion dance with him. That's true. They can be Crovechkin. And we're all we're making nerdy di- Dragon Ball references for those of you who don't know, which shouldn't be whatever. Any of if you, you but... don't watch Dragon Ball, you ain't cool. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I do have a question for you. I thought of this earlier, so this will be interesting. Do you think fan bases? No, let's, yeah, no, we'll say teams. Do you think certain teams deserve the cup? And I'm not thinking of anything in particular. You can reference certain teams, but like, do you think there's ever a case for like a team? deserves the cup because i was thinking about this in the shower like most people do and i was thinking you know i don't know if i can ever say like a team deserves it you deserve it when you win it and maybe you deserve it if you just got a botched call in game seven and it was crap like the buffalo sabers yeah that's a perfect example granted that's game six six, but like buffalo at least deserves a game seven yeah like, for or sure. Or at least the end of Game 6. <laughs> yeah, that's true. A real end to it. Oh, I. that feels like such a historic thing that should be 
a blues thing, uh-huh. but isn't. And I'm so happy that like historic, just awful footnote well, dodged our history wh- and went to someone else. What's mo- what's mind blowing about that? Similar to for those of you who don't know, the fifth down in Missouri, Missouri thing, where Colorado, I think one year when they were they were like a national championship team. Ultimately, I think were playing Mizzou, who was a no account nobody, and the refs just gave Colorado a fifth down. Oh, really? They just lost count, <laughs> and they gave them a fifth down. And and just like with the skate and the crease thing, you can just go back and count. It's like a there's no like oh well it was it was a wrong call probably but it was close you know similar to the the Dinkinger thing it's like no you can just go back it was just wrong mm-hmm. you know and like the fact that these things happen so often in crucial moments and like the the NHL can't be like yeah well the Stars won the cup and not what was it 2000 96 whenever it was 99 something like that yeah the the stars won the cup but they didn't really you know the nhl just has to be like oh yes the 1999 nhl champion uh dallas stars but yeah uh deserves the cup back to your original question there's a part of me that's like the only team that deserves the cup is the team that won it like no part of me thinks that the blues deserve a cup. I think Blues fans deserve a so, cup. So yeah, that's kind of the distinction but there. But Blues fans aren't good enough at hockey to win a cup. So like, there's a <laughs> distinction there, right? Uh, however, uh, the fact that the Capitals finally slayed the beast of the Penguins and then were only halfway done is cruel. <laughs> I'm not going to go so far as they deserve the cup, and I don't know if that's who you were asking about. Yeah. Uh, but that, as a Blues fan, and I guess that was true when we beat the Blackhawks, where it was like, we beat the Blackhawks. We're basically Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> and it's like, no, you haven't even started. <laughs> I guess that's like fair. That's how it works. It's weird, though, that I see more the argument of like, People who are like, well, they need to change the the divisional rounds of the playoffs because it forces good matchups early. I see that more on this side of it, looking at it as like Washington won that matchup and now may lose to the Lightning mm-hmm. just because the Lightning are better. But Washington should win the cup because they beat the cup back to back winners mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, that wasn't a really cogent sentence, but you know what I was getting <laughs> at. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they're still playing for at least, well, I mean, at least two more games in the sense that they could lose two more and be done. But, like, they'd have to win six more games to win the Cup is kind of crazy. And I think that's what makes it a very real statement to say that the Stanley Cup is the hardest thing to win in sports. I think it is, for sure. So, does that answer your question? I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Look, I'm going to get an F on this paper if that's what you just submitted. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm with you. It's one of those weird, I don't, I think certain fan bases do just because you kind of maybe suffer more as a fan. I know players, it's like, I'm sure they care too, but you're also a million, And at what point too does the fan base even not really stop deserving it, but like the Washington Capitals fans are so bought in to not being Capitals to like, it's over, you Mm -hmm. know, we're playing the Penguins, it's over sort of thing. 
that it's like, do you really deserve it? That's why I was thinking of blues fans. I've got a friend who, you know, I'm not, I'm not incredibly close with, but we talk occasionally and he's a, he's from Baltimore, you know, so he's like a Caps fan and a a Wizards fan. And he's like, well, oh no, like I don't follow the Caps anymore because they always lose. And I'm like, well, that doesn't count, you know, (laughs) you can't just hop back on the bandwagon now that they're in the semis or whatever, you know. Yeah, we're making a podcast for this team that's never won a cup in 51 years, and I'm on board all the way. Yes. And we could not win for another 51. I'll be dead. That's true. And I'll turn over not, my grave. It's possible. Oh, yeah, I guess 78, not. 78, you'll probably still be alive. Technology. <laughs> it's Free- not unreasonable to think I could no. two, three. Freeze my bones. <laughs> I'll come back. When they win the cup. Uh, so, with that said, yeah, now make a transition out of that. We have to trade to a different topic. Oh. Uh, mm. Last week we started a C segment. Plus. Thank you, thank you. Uh, last week we started a segment. I love how I'm very humbled by a C plus grade. Uh, our friend Tommy Hummel of the PC Bombcast, great guys. Follow him at Hummeltown. Follow them at, I'm guessing, PC Bombcast. I don't have it in front of me. Or memorize like I have Tommy's Twitter handle. Memorize. So you're welcome, Tommy. (laughs) Follow uh, the PC slash Pop Culture Bombcast on Twitter. Uh, He asked us to go through team by team and create a believable trade with every team in the league, which we started last week and have fun doing. This week was more of a grind for me. Um, Thanks, Tommy. So (laughs) a couple of teams in here that the Blues aren't reasonable trade partners with, uh, partially because one of them is the Chicago Blackhawks, but uh, we're going to do it anyway because Tommy wants us to, and we do whatever he says. (laughs) Get this, folks. If you just want something, ask, and we'll just do it. We'll do it for sure. Uh, So Calgary Flames are alphabetically next. You first or me first? Uh, me first. Oh boy, this ought to be good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got two because one's dumb and the other one's dumb but realistic. Uh, first one, you got Jordan Cairo, a first round pick. Ooh, that's ooh, that's spicy, right? What are we getting back for this king's ransom? <laughs> Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and I literally probably not enough. <laughs> nope, not, that is not enough. As we mentioned, sort of before with our prospects, they're big for us, and I mean they're probably big for another team too. But they're not trading what's essentially a question mark—a really gold, cool, shiny question mark—for <laughs> like a player they know what they're getting from. So I just had that because why not? I want another Kachuk on this team. I'm that sure would we be can... great. We need his awful, awful, awful horribleness on our team. Yeah, we just need someone with some sort of character. So more realistically, I think you could do a Jake Wallman and a second round pick for a Sam Bennett. Ooh. That might be a little low. Ooh. You might need something more than Wallman. But Sam Bennett has one year left on his $1.95 million contract. Uh, he's uh, was originally a fourth overall in 2014, but he's definitely struggled up in Calgary. I don't think he's eclipsed a 40-point season yet. He's still pretty young. He I think, has not. I think he's, what, 21, 22? 23. 23. Oh, he's old as hell. Uh, <laughs> and I do not want him anymore. He's he's fine. Uh, it's I just think he'd be an interesting maybe reclamation project. Is he left wing? He's center, center. left wing, yeah. which means he shoots left, which, we, as we've talked about, is everyone in this league, apparently. It'd be interesting. I think it's something that could be done. I think I've seen his name thrown around before, not 
professionally by like Elliot Friedman or anyone in the know, but a lot of different fans from both sides Calgary's have noticed kind it. of disappointed with him. Oh yeah, for sure. And every year is supposed to be the year that he's like, Oh, Sam Bennett's a contributor this year. And, uh, <laughs> you looked good in the playoffs folks, like two years we ago. We do not discuss these beforehand, but Oh boy. My trade for the Calgary Flames is the Calgary Flames receiving Robbie Fabry and a third round pick. For Sam Bennett. Wrong. Uh, maybe I gave up more than you did, arguably, depending on how you grade Fabry and... I think that'd it's be... It's about the same, honestly. Fabry th- and a third, Wallman and a second. That feels pretty equivalent. If anything, I'd say maybe they go for the middle ground and they say, I want Fabry and a second. Yeah, Actually, that be. feels like the most realistic. Uh, kind of reclamation projects for both teams. We don't have the health concern That's with Bennett. That's a good Bennett. point. Uh, but... Um, you said all the things about Bennett. He has 89 career points, but that's over like four seasons, so it's mm-hmm. not that impressive. Uh, Fabry has 66 and is one year younger, but has repaired the same knee twice. Um, I'm Any of these trades we're discussing, you can play with the margins a little bit. Maybe the pick is higher or lower. Maybe they give us a defensive body back. Who knows? You mm-hmm. know, but... Um, so yeah, Sam Bennett's an interesting name out of Calgary. Uh, you want to move on to Carolina then? Sure. I have two options for Carolina because the first is ridiculous and would never happen. Listen up, Doug Armstrong. But it has Jake Allen going to the Carolina Hurricanes. Cam Ward. And us receiving Victor Rask. Obviously, we would have to solve our goaltending situation Elsewhere, the two H's. Like you got, you got Hutton and you got Huso. Yeah, exactly. Baby. It's not the four H club; it's the two H <laughs> club. Uh, Alan, you know all about that. They, he would just be the next in a revolving door of messy goaltending solutions for uh, Carolina. But um, Rask is a really interesting player. He has forty four points this year and forty five the year before that. He has a career fifty two point seven percent faceoff percentage, so he's mm. actually decent at them. And he's on a really club, arguably club friendly deal at four million dollars through twenty twenty one. I always think that about a million dollars for every ten points feels like kind of a good. Mm-hmm threshold it's not a, it's not scientific but <laughs> 4 million a yeah. year for 44 points for a player that's young and is a center is pretty good um he is 25 years old he's a former second round pick again this is a little ludicrous cuz us trading our goalie for a roster player and not getting a goalie back in that deal is a little silly you don't see goalie for player trades very often but it's it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, my more, my more maybe believable, definitely more blockbustery type move would have us giving up Quim Costin, Jake Wallman, and a 2018 first round pick, and receiving back Jeff Skinner and Elias Lindholm. Uh, Skinner oh, of two. Uh, of course has uh, a, a pretty good reputation as a young scoring winger. Um, but has never quite hit the. I think is he former first overall. He's definitely former very very. Yeah, he was pick. like top ten for sure. Um, but he had forty nine points last year, which was a big regression from sixty three the year before, which seemed to be the fi- the year he finally sort of broke out. He was a minus twenty seven plus minus last year, which. I hate plus minus, and he's on a bad team, so it's not yeah, that shocking. But it's always going to look bad. Um, 
I still like him a lot. He's very fast. He has one year left on his deal, so he can play that out, and you can decide if he fits here or doesn't. He, of course, is a uh, left-winger, left-handed shot because there aren't (laughs) any people that are not. Um, But I think he's an interesting name to be sure. Uh, and he was drafted 7th overall in 2010. That was going to be my guess, I promise you. Really? Where do you think he's from? It's Toronto, Ontario. Is it Boring. Markham, Ontario, according to Wikipedia? You might be right. I uh, suppose that's close uh, to Toronto. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, Elias Lindholm is an interesting player uh, who has um, 44 points last year. So he's not a nobody. He uh, <laughs> he has a career also has a career fifty two point seven percent face off percentage. Uh, so apparently some some actually decent face off winners in Carolina, uh, which is interesting because they never seem to win anything. But Lindholm has a two point seven million dollar contract through next year. So uh, I think it's a believable trade in the sense that uh, new Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon, who, by the way, will destroy that franchise. That's a topic for another day, uh, maybe when we talk about the divisions later in the summer. But he will destroy that franchise. But in the meantime, (laughs) uh, it's been hinted that everyone on their team is available for the right price other than Sebastian Ajo. I can't remember if... Who report? I think uh, Bob McKenzie maybe yep. reported that. Um, but uh, what they're what they'd be doing in this trade is getting a lot back for two players who are UFAs after next year. What the Blues would be getting is getting two really good UFAs to throw into the mix next year, and or pending UFAs obviously, and uh, seeing what works and what doesn't, and having guys that they can take forward and possibly um, see if they're going to stick. So I think that's an interesting trade route. Uh, There's obviously questions about whether the Blues would want to commit that much to get players on one-year deals, Um, what the salary, because you're adding like $8 million in salary there with those two players, so you'd have to cut that out. Maybe you send Bergman back to them or whatever Mm -hmm. to help clear out salary. Again, all of these trades are assuming that they're part of a bigger picture so you know fudge with whatever you need to but i thought it was interesting what do you have for the hurricanes who did you what were the what were the, uh, what were we sending to carolina costin wallman and a first round pick and you got two players yes oh boy I, then i overpaid two players with a combined 90 points though so yeah i got <laughs> i got steen Cairo in a second and that's all just for jeff skinner baby <laughs> that's how much i love jeff well skinner. i think if they're taking steen at this point though that's a little bit where you're adding value for them mm. to take that contract so yeah we you already mentioned one year left for skinner at 5.725 million you got carolina gets a leader in steen who's still relatively relatively productive uh, along with a really hot prospect in Cairo. And we a, mean physically, folks. He's oh, steamy. Oh, man. Just look up those picks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Blues get a fast, dynamic winger entering his, pretty much his prime. I guess he's whatever, mid-20s. Think, yeah. yeah. So I think that'd be good. I I guarantee you, 
me here, Ian, on the Two Guys No Cup podcast, guarantee you Jeff Skinner is not a Carolina Hurricane. Oh, for sure. He's too valuable. They next season. Too much for him. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, he'll be a king. Yeah, probably, that's the connection but, I've heard the most. Uh, if he's not a king, let him be a blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, alphabetically next is the Chicago Blackhawks. This one was fun. And we can admit, very unlikely that the Blues and the Blackhawks made a trade. I was texting. I was texting with you earlier. It's like the Cardinals and Cubs have made trades before, but they're a once every twenty year kind of event, and they're either a v- such a minor shuffling of bodies that they are perceived to have almost no impact, or the teams are headed in totally opposite direction, and. Yeah. They can afford to trade with each other. Or it's Lou Brock for Ernie Brolio, and it's widely considered the worst trade of all time, and that's why the Cubs hate us and why they're the Cubs. Sorry if you're a Cubs fan out there, but, uh, I mean, I you won last, so no judgment here. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, yes, we are admitting that's unlikely. But with that said, who do you have uh, in this make-believe scenario where we make a trade with the Cubs or with the Blackhawks? That's fun, too. Who uh, are the Cubs trading to us? The Blues send Dimitri Askin and receive Kyle Schwarber. I was like, that's on you, because I don't know any baseball players. <laughs> um, this one's a fun one, because everything else has been, what do I really want on this team? But this one I thought would be fun to be like, what would like maybe possibly happen? What would be gross? Yeah, oh, this is gross, but it kind of works. So you got Berglund and Saboka, and you're like, that's great, already. Both of these guys getting moved from the Blues. Sounds like a plan to me. Well, that's a combined cap hit, I believe, of just over $7 million. So, they're going to Chicago, and we got to take on, that's right, we have to take on, Brent Seabrook. Oh. But a first. We also get a first, <laughs> because we still need the rub. Um, Saboka would have two more years, well, has two more years, <laughs> on this dying animal over here. <laughs> Let's see. Saboka has... Yeah, two more years on his $3.5 million contract. Berglund's got four more years on his three point eight five, And Seabrook has an unbelievable six more years on his $6.875 million contract. He is 33 so years old right now. we're trading for a buyout, essentially. Yeah, I mean, we'd buy out Seabrook. But they're giving us the first to take him for two guys that... Are essentially a buyouts for, for them. Yeah. yeah, they'll lose them quicker than we would lose Seabrook. Yeah, I. It's I, interesting. It's not inconceivable. Mm-hmm. I thought about a Brendan Saad. <laughs> I thought about a Brendan Saad trade. I thought about what could we, what dumb thing could we do to get Alex DeBrincat off that team, and those are kind of the only two people aside from like Kane and Taves who are just aren't leaving that I would want. Speaking of it, I wouldn't want Patrick Kane. Yeah, I know. I I, 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 I would hate it, but I would also be like... Mm, you'd cross your top. arms, but you'd nod your head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of getting Alex to bring Cat, I'm not doing that in this trade. <laughs> but a similarly young, successful player. Okay. <laughs> uh, we would trade Jake Wallman in a first-round pick, which would give the Blackhawks three first-round picks. You're and welcome. we would receive back... It's time to reunite the family, Nick Schmaltz. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, 
Nick Schmaltz, of course, the boy's very on Jordan Schmaltz's brother. He would be the Braden to Jordan's Luke, for those of you that follow the Shen family. The much more talented brother. And a brother that I believe the Blues planned to draft the year after they drafted Jordan until the Blackhawks swooped in and sniped us and beat us and traded up and got him instead of us. So We got Robbie Fabry to show for it. <laughs> yep, Robbie Fabry and his one knee. Uh, <laughs> or four knees, depending on how you look at it. Uh, yeah, so Schmaltz, it'd be the fun story of reuniting the brothers, but he's also uh, a, a, a good young player who had 52 points last year. Uh, he's a center, but he's bad at face-offs, but who knows? What does he we'll shoot, probably Steven? just wing, move him to the left wing. No. I'm sure he shoots left. I don't think I checked, so let me check. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sure he... Shoots. Uh, he shoots. This doesn't say. Why is it so hard to say? He shoots <laughs> right. We must get oh, him. Oh no! We this must, is a for sure trade. We must get him. We need Nick Schmaltz. This team must have him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we get Nick Schmaltz. They get a pretty good re- <laughs> return. They traded Ryan Hartman. I almost said Phil Hartman multiple times, <laughs> but they'd get Phil Hartman for no. Anyway, they'd get Ryan Hartman for. They gave him up for what a sec, a first round pick, and that's it, right? From or maybe like a, a prospect as well. But like this is that deal with a little more, and I don't think Ryan Hartman's like wildly better or worse than Nick Schmaltz. So mm-hmm. it's possible. Again, I think a trade with the Blackhawks extremely unlikely. And like I said to you earlier in a text, the best thing about the Blackhawks right now is that even though they're in the slow and painful downward spiral, they're not going to admit that yet. And so they're going to dig themselves deeper before they dig themselves out. And Mm -hmm. that will be the fun part for us. Um, Speaking of digging yourself out, you'd have to dig yourself out of an avalanche, which is where we're going next. It's it's late. That's a B. It's late. Thank you. That's better than the last grade. You're getting better. Uh, (laughs) I proposed two options with them. One that was mildly approved by Avs correspondent uh, Jordan, and one that was utterly rejected (laughs) by him. Uh, The one that was utterly rejected would be Dimitri Askin, Jake Wallman, and a third-round pick, which I think is generous, (laughs) for Alexander Kerfoot, which I just want the guy and the name. I don't care about anything else. Uh, Kerfoot was a center who was a college free agent signing from, I think, Harvard. So Mm -hmm. he's smart. He's wicked smart. (laughs) But he was wicked bad at face-offs as well. (laughs) He's 43 points last year. Um, But he's a young player, fairly young, not wildly young because he's a college grad. Uh, But he's a pretty good young player. When I brought up his name to Jordan, because, you know, I I don't have a mastery of every other team, and I was kind of trying to scope out, like, who would he be willing to trade and who would he not? Uh, He was like, I'm not trading Kerfoot, not that we have any power to do this, but... Uh, he's a left-hand shot, too, so no no, victor, uh, no with, victory there. I'll but, live with it. Uh, but that was my fun trade, and I think, quite frankly, you're giving up a fair amount to get him. What I are you getting? Dimitri, Wallman, and... A third. Okay. Um, but the other trade that he was... He kind of proposed that I was kind of down with was Robbie Fabry for Vladislav Kamenev, 
who was a player they got in the Duchesne trade. Uh, uh, he was a second-round pick in 2014. He's a 21-year-old Russian who's 6'2 and 203 pounds. So he's physical. Damn. <laughs> but he, he is also a left-winger, I think. And um, he's big and physical. He had really great AHL, AHL numbers this past year, and I think he played eight games with the Rampage. So he may have – or he had – Great AHL numbers two years ago. He played eight games this year with the Rampage, so he may have some exposure to Costin or somebody. Um, but he also got injured this year and missed a lot of time, so it would be kind of reclamation projects on both sides. Uh, but that would be interesting and a little less high-profile than the other deal. Who do you have us trading for on the Avalanche? Oh, mine's boring now. Is it jump for Tom for Com- <laughs> Com- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we talked about they have the big three like Rottenen and Landeskog and McKinnon that are just like untouchable. All then, of whom shoot left. And then they have a bunch of just kind of, I don't want to say junk, but just stuff that's they're either like RFA or UFA pretty soon and they're kind of lower deals. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the only thing I could come up with was Fabry and Cairo. Oh God, that's too much now. <laughs> but whatever, we'll say it. I'm sure Jordan loves it because he said Fabry and Cairo for Kerfoot. There you go. Is that what you came yeah, up with? Yeah, okay. you got a guy with no knees or multiple knees. You gave up more than I did. Plus so. a guy with two regular knees for a guy with a kerfoot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give that a B plus. Thank you. Pretty good. I'll take it. I was like, where's he going with it? Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, it's too late. We've been doing this for too uh, long. I've got nothing to say for that trade because that was the last one I come up with, and I put so much brain power into the other three. <laughs> I looked at the show notes today, and I was like, oh, this isn't going to last 40 minutes, and we've lasted twice that, because we don't know when to shut up. Uh, but we're about to. Um, thank all of you who followed uh, between two... Fo- Hold on. Hold the phone. He's giving me the signal, folks. What? Hold what? <laughs> you saw... I know we just went for an hour Oh, and my half. God, you're right. Okay. Well, we need to do the goodbyes anyway. Okay. So let's do this. We are going to oh. discuss. Continue. What? Is no, that no, no, what no, you no. meant? No, no, no. No, yeah, no, no. Okay. No, you're good. You're right. fine. People who are listening are now very confused. We are going to discuss <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. And it's been, what, about three weeks since it released in theaters. So spoilers. It, it, they're mostly fair games, but we're not, we're not, we're, we're not gonna spoil it. For those of you who haven't seen it or don't want to hear, we're gonna say our goodbyes, we're gonna give you time, and you can do the thing. Uh, so, again, if you didn't already follow the Between Two Posts podcast on Twitter, at BTP Podcast, uh... And make sure to shout us out. We'll give you a shout out next week if you do it. Um, thank you for listening. We will see you next week, and it will not will not spoil Deadpool at all because I won't have seen it because I never see movies promptly. But after this point, spoilers are they're welcome and they'll happen right away. Mm. So see you later if you don't want them. I don't feel so good, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so Infinity War. Uh, I thought it was wonderful. I mm. being the one who saw it this weekend for the first time, you having seen it three or four times <laughs> now, uh, which is funny because my brother's a, a comic book nerd and, and your sister, as far as I know, is not. So uh, I had the pedigree, but yeah, I thought it was awesome. 
Uh, what did you think? I liked it a lot. Okay, I, so that's and it. Folks. Night, folks. <laughs> I, it was good. It was something where I I put a lot of expectation in movies that I shouldn't because I will read a couple of reviews and not like in depth, but just you know sort of headlines and everything will always be like amazing. I mean, you know this and that. And mm. I read a lot of that for Black Panther, and that, that was a fine. I read movie. a lot of that for the Last Jedi though too, uh, and those people don't know what they're. That's talking another about. discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Completely, that's a whole another hour episode. Um, but I read a lot of really good things about Black Panther, which is the last Marvel movie to come out before Infinity War. And that was a fine movie, but I remember people like, this is like the best one since Iron Man 1. And I was like, oh, snap, this will mm. be really good. And it was fine. Black Panther was. Yeah, it was yeah. okay. It felt like any other Marvel movie. And so I was already thinking when I saw reviews for and Infinity I think Black, War. Black I was Panther like, eh. rightfully got a lot of extra credit and that, that's not to like criticize it in any way for, but for what an awesome ac- accomplishment it was to have like an African movie mm-hmm. be a huge blockbuster. That's a huge deal. And that's awesome. And I, and you know, it's, it's wonderful for our yeah. society, well, but it, what's funny to me about that movie was rolled into every review, yeah. you know, what's funny to me about that movie is I think like that, actor does a fine job for black Uh, panther i think the character in that movie is kind of written boring i think every other character around black panther is super good and cool especially killmonger yeah but for some reason black panther how they wrote him is just kind of meh have you seen the discussion it was a story on twitter the other day or a moment whatever they're called where they were talking about uh what's his name i cannot think of the actor's name oh michael b jordan no the one who played black panther oh i can't think of his name either which is not Right, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, but everybody wants Chadwick him to... Chadwick There you go. Thank yeah. you. Uh, everybody wants him to do the Wakanda Forever salute, you know, whenever they see him. Mm-hmm. And there are all these pictures of him doing it, like, with less and less interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so annoying. And I saw one. It was a four-picture, like, comic thing. And it had him doing it, like, legit. And it was Wakanda Forever. And then it was Wakanda Sometimes. <laughs> and then it was Wakanda Rarely. And then it was Wakanda Do This Forever. <laughs> So that was fun, but yeah, I mean, I think I think to to your point, that was yeah. well reviewed. So when this one was well reviewed, you're just like, yeah, okay, fine. But I thought it was really good. I mean, I can understand people that would be like, ah, kind of, it just kind of keeps going. Like, there's not really a moment where it there's sort of no stops to pauses in that movie, but I think at all, oh, man. Well, I'm not going to try and draw too many parallels to another Disney movie, the last, the last Jedi. I'm gonna draw some, so but, don't. I don't. This is. I weird. think there is a natural yeah. like those were counterpoint in yeah. the year blockbusters. I but. think I get the pacing issue someone might have with Infinity War, but I think it kind of earns that because there's eight like what, oh man I don't know eighteen. There's some ridiculous amount of movies. Obviously before that the build. It's you, been a decade basically yeah. building to this point. You learn about all these characters and their separate movies and yada yada. So when they come together, there there needs to be character interaction. There's tons of that and it was all really good, but there doesn't need. There to, needs to be introduction. Yeah, too, but know? there doesn't need to be like a moment where you go, why is Iron Man like doing what he does? You just saw three Iron Man movies. Yeah, right. You should you should know. So what my point being was though that like Star Wars, the last one, they kind of kept going and going in the same way. There's no breathing room. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to say Star Wars, which is older as far as films go. I don't feel like that new series earned it where they I feel like they need to explain what right, the hell's going one, on. One of the mistakes Star Wars made, and it's not just pick on Last Jedi Time, although it was pretty bad, <laughs> but like 
one of the Sorry, mis- folks. and I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, so I'm not really a credible yeah. source on it. But one of the mistakes they made is like so one of the reasons they didn't have to stop to explain why Tony Stark was doing whatever in mm. this movie is because the things that Tony Stark was doing in this movie were made sense with what he had done in all yeah, the other exactly, movies. They exactly. followed that character, right? But like whereas in Last Jedi, Finn had already had the hero arc where it's like, okay, he's reluctant, he's getting involved, he runs away from the stormtroopers, whatever, and then now he's like a fighter for the rebellion. And then for whatever reason in The Last Jedi, they just start that from square one they again. Do it again. He's like running off the ship. And so you don't you need time to explain that because we thought it was explained in episode seven, and now you're changing. It, yeah. You know, so yeah, I think I think you're right though about the pacing there. Mm. And and what they did do what they did have to accomplish is like, okay, we've seen Doctor Strange before and we've seen Iron Man before, but they've never seen each yeah. other really, mm-hmm. you know? And and I think there was a little bit of like, probably they should have heard of each other sort of situation at this point. Yeah. But, um, but they've never like met. And so they have these guys interact quickly. And I think one of the things they did that was brilliant was a lot of the comedy was boiled into those introductions. So obviously, you know, if, mm. if you're listening this far, you've either seen it or don't care about spoilers. Obviously, it's a it's a crazy serious movie by Marvel standards mm-hmm. for where it ends up and where it leaves you. But there's comedy boiled in there. But unlike in some other movies that we've already discussed, and I don't want to <laughs> name names, but... <laughs> The comedy isn't, like, really awkwardly thrown into places where it doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. There's comedy where it's like, okay, uh, you know, uh, Doctor Strange meets Tony Stark, and they're both gigantic egomaniacs, and so there's going to be friction. Mm. And there's, and there's humor comedy in boiled yeah. in, but then they fight the two whatevers from, you know, Thanos' party, and then it's like, okay, the this is on now, mm-hmm. you know, and, like... There's comedy. There's tons of comedy when Rocket and Thor are interacting, which is great. I think it's one of the best pairings in the movie. But then, like, when push comes to shove and, like, Thor's flying into a star to, mm. and, like, putting his body on the line, <laughs> to which is scientifically ridiculous, obviously, but <laughs> awesome cinematically. You know, that's there's no comedy there. It's just, like, Rocket is trying to save this dude's life. You know, so I'm sorry that I keep feeling like I'm dominating, but no, I feel no. like the comedy is worked in in ways where it's not just like, oh, Thanos just strangled Loki, you know. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, like, get up three seconds later and say, let me catch my breath or something yeah. stupid, you know, <laughs> which is, like, a move that other movies would make. Yeah, it's just, like, a humor bit. And like- and to be fair, a move a move that maybe, you know, Disney slash Marvel has been guilty of, and that's not just picking on Last Jedi, you know? Mm. No, for sure. I think it, they operate really well with keeping it light because mm-hmm. I think, what was it, Age of Ultron, like the trailers for that movie are mm-hmm. like crazy dark by Marvel standards. Yeah. And then the movie's relatively... That movie was pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing. That... I only saw it once. Yeah. But <laughs> Avengers 1 was really good, yeah. and I think Civil War, which is Captain America, but it is the Avengers, yeah. was really good, but like, ooh, Age of Ultron Age of Ultron space. was just so like, 
it was the comedy you're talking about where it's just kind of comedy happening yeah. while stuff is going on. And it doesn't really drive anything. And like that, and this is not about Age of Ultron, so I'll just say this and we'll move on. But like, <laughs> Ultron should be a super huge threat, and I never felt oh, like no. he was in that movie. He was quippy you know? as hell. Um, so speaking of super huge threats, one of the things I loved that this movie did is the villain. I mm. think Thanos was awesome in this. And I th- and and I think there's some complexities about like some of the outline parts of his characters that we can talk about but like the thing that I love most about him is he shows up and, and now again 10 years of movies have hinted at Thanos. He was the bad guy behind the the face of the bad guy, which was Loki in the first Avengers mm-hmm. movie, trying to get the Tesseract, which, as you later find out, is one of the Infinity Stones, right? But, like, you've never you've never really, like, interacted with him in any scenes. No, he's just kind of a face. Right. And so he steps on screen in this Asgardian ship. They're already destroyed. His, like, little mage is taunting all the people, you know? Mm-hmm. And the first thing he does basically, is beat the holy hell out of Hulk with his bare hands. Mm. He has one Infinity Stone, I don't but think he, he doesn't it. really use it. And even, like, one, you know, it, it's obviously very powerful, but it's not, like, God status, you know? Mm. Obviously, several different people have one at the start of the movie. Um, and I think that was such a brilliant way of establishing, no, this dude is a badass who's trying to become a god. Mm -hmm. He's not just like a wimp. Like Loki always, as much as Loki's been great in all these movies, it always felt like, you know, Thor could kick his ass unless he outsmarted him, which is, I mean, that makes sense to his character. But you were never like, oh, Loki's locked in a room with Thor. I'm really scared for Thor. You know, (laughs) it's like he'd have to have the Tesseract or something. I think that was my problem with the first Avengers is like Loki... It was more about them teaming up, which was good. But yeah. Loki, I was like, I don't really care because you don't seem like I'm a threat to me at all. Yeah, exactly. But Thanos, he beats the Hulk so bad that the Hulk is scared to come out. I thought that was a really the brilliant rest of move. The move, which perfectly fits with like the idea of Hulk as the id or whatever, you know, of of Bruce Banner. But then, like, is also sets up an awesome story arc for either the second half of this film or even if you want to do a spinoff. Hulk, which God knows they've tried before and it hasn't usually worked, but you could have yeah. it at this point. So yeah, I thought that was great. What do you, did you yeah. think about Thanos? I or thought Thanos. It, I can never say I know. it right. Thanos. Um, Thanos. <laughs> um, I liked him a lot. I think what they did really well with him too, other than just establishing him as a threat, which they did throughout, was that they did something I really didn't think they were going to do, uh, which was sort of humanize him in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean. His whole thing is that he's just trying to kill half the universe to, like, balance it because it's essentially, I guess, overpopulated. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does it in such a way where, you know, they mention all the time where he constantly thinks it's mercy and people chastise him for thinking that, being like, let's, you know, it's genocide, it's not mercy. Uh-huh. But I think they write him where he feels that so strongly that you're kind of like, okay, that's dumb as hell, but I can, I get it. Right. But I think it's also one not thing, just a written thing, but it's an acted thing. I think yeah, Josh, Josh Brolin, brilliant. despite being in a mocap suit, does like an amazing job selling this. Uh-huh. And I thought like when I mean we're we're talking spoilers, right? We're pretty much yeah, done with yeah. when he like kills Gamora, like uh-huh. 
I don't know. Like I saw you it coming. I saw it coming, but I was like, "Wow!" You Stupid know, Stupid Gamora didn't see it. <laughs> I, know. I was like, <laughs> like, it's like "You're really? watching." Like I, I knew what happened before I saw it. But even if I hadn't watched that scene, I'm like, "Bitch, get out of there! Go!" <laughs> I know. Like you got a chance, lady. But like they, I'm so curious. Actually, of all the things, you wonder what the Avengers are going to do in the next one. But I also wonder, like, I'm really curious what Thanos's plot is from here and, and it's not that i don't think he has one i'm sure he does i'm just super curious because he was that much of an interesting character for a sort of one note guy that's just trying to kill half the universe because he thinks it's too crowded mm-hmm. they sell it really well and i think I'm, that's a i don't know i think that's an achievement for writing and acting that you can take something that seems very silly yeah i mean on paper it's silly as hell it's dumb as hell mm. and make me like throughout the whole movie be like oh yeah i can see why he's doing right this. and like I, I'm trying to keep this from becoming a 10-hour podcast, but at yeah. the same time, I want to talk about a lot of stuff. So I'm curious, <laughs> do you almost feel like they humanized him like a notch too much? Like, I, I, I kind of feel like it was missing him doing one thing that that's just made just like, him look like a bastard-coated bastard. And I guess maybe that's Nebula with him torturing her yeah. to get information out of Gamora. But, like, and, you know, you can say killing Gamora, but, like, they took, they made so much pain to show how much pain he was mm-hmm. in to do that. That, like, as much as you're like, well, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> you're also at the same time kind of like, like oh, but I don't know, you know? No, I'm with you, actually. That's, it's really interesting because I'm, I don't think, I would change too much about it, but it is weird where I'm like, I've had I've had movies before where I've sympathized with the villain, not enough to be like he's necessarily right, but it's like mm-hmm. oh I can see his point, and you almost feel slightly bad when they lose. You're like oh yeah, and you're right. If I saw like Tony Stark, especially at the end of this movie, just like punching the hell out of him, like and that's how we do it on Earth, I'm like whoa yeah, like yeah, exactly. I feel a little bad for this guy somehow. Yeah, yeah and, you're right, you're right, and and I just think. One of the things I that I thought about, and and it's one of the things that in a bad movie it bothered the hell out of me, and in a good movie I, it doesn't bother me at all. But like you could have had one person say to him, you know, with the Infinity Gauntlet, you could just double the resources <laughs> in the universe, and like if he dealt with that in an asshole kind of way, then like then I'm game. Like then you're like, okay, he doesn't, he's not really, he doesn't really have a bloodlust. Mm-hmm. But like he knows what he's doing, yeah. right? You know, like he 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 knows he's killing people, and and I guess the, the flip side of that is a really great villain has to believe what he's mm-hmm. doing is good, right? And I, he's a really great villain. Yeah, I think what they might do, and I think this would help to your point, and this would like really sell it. I think that'd make him like a stellar villain, is and I'm sure it's going to happen too. Is you'll notice that a lot of the people that are left alive at the end. Are all like more or less original, yeah, Avengers. OG yeah. Avengers. So like he's gonna kill. He's gonna kill somebody, and so I'm hoping they hu- they keep him human. They keep it, you know, a real a sort of real feel to him. Mm-hmm. But I hope he just there's something where I don't know they reverse it. You know, everyone's back alive, and he's like, fuck that shit. Yeah, and is like pissed as hell and just drives his fist through like Captain America, and then you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah, Spider Man, kill his ass now. Yeah. I'm sick of this dude. Yeah, because I'm totally with you. I need one moment where I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now you can just start beheading Thanos because this shit's BS. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You just stepped on Ant Man. And I think I mean, and so I mean, let's go there now that we're there. So the movie ends, 
with Thanos winning. I mean, ballsy, ostensibly. Ballsy for a huge... Hugely yeah. ballsy for a blockbuster movie. That, like, seven-year-olds are Where, watching. like, it's... Oh, yeah, which is tailored... I mean, it's PG-13, but it's tailored to young Yeah, my first time I watched anything. it was during the day on a Saturday. That's mostly parents and kids. Uh-huh. And, it, and, and, I mean, it ends with barely, like, no music or whatever, like, just kind mm-hmm. of a black screen. And there were definitely kids that were, like... The weird sort of like, I don't get it. Yeah, and one of the things that at the time I was annoyed by because I really had to pee, but in hindsight <laughs> was really brilliant is like they have the one post credit scene which we'll touch on, but they make you wait the whole oh, credits. Yeah, and it's not like friggin' uh, um, Peter Quill's music is playing during the mm-hmm. credits or even the Avengers theme. It's just very like dour, just like sad white strings. on black credits. You're just like there, you know. And so, so he he gets the Infinity Gauntlet constructed. And the other scene I love was where he has the four stones, and he's he just goes through like ten Avengers like they're nothing. Mm-hmm. The one thing that bothered me in that scene was like they get to that point where Scarlet Witch is trying to like destroy mm-hmm. the stone, and on the one hand. They never really explain why she can do that. Yeah. But again, I, the movie is so good that I don't care. It's, but on the other hand, there's a point where he's gotten through all the other Avengers, and it looks like he's ten feet from them. And then she has a good two minutes of screen to time hold them off. to like try and you know blow up the stone. But that a minor thing. So Thor hits him with a new th- hammer. So much of this movie is awesome. It's balls mm-hmm. awesome. Thor hits him with the axe. You know, but he still is al- a- alive enough or whatever to snap his fingers and say you should have aimed for the head. How you snap your fingers in a metal gauntlet, different question. But I guess if he has the Infinity Stone, that's not the It confused me when it thing. happened. I was like, what happened? Um, but yeah, he snaps his fingers and all the people are particleized, right? Here's Here's the reality. One of the people is Black Panther. Dude's not staying there. <laughs> yeah, those people are One all One of the people back. is Spider-Man. Both of those guys have sequels announced already. Mm. So we know whatever Deus Ex Machina is, not everyone, and maybe not anyone, you know, all of the Guardians of the Galaxy except Rocket Raccoon were vaporized. All of the Guardians of the Galaxy except Rocket Raccoon are not staying dead. Mm-hmm. If any Guardian's <laughs> gonna die, it's gonna be Rocket Raccoon, right? So... <laughs> So those people you assume are coming back, but as you said, the original Avengers, who are the people that contractually you're kind of like, well, you, a lot of the rumors soon. is that friggin', uh, you know, Chris Evans is out and he's going to die. So that leaves a very interesting where, like, the dirty work's not done. The question, the bigger question is then Loki, who Thanos, like, strangles to death, mm-hmm. uh, and... Uh, Gamora, who he chucks off a cliff, didn't die by Infinity Stones. They're just dead, dead. Um, So I'm curious, you know, one of my worries is, and I don't think they'll go this way because of how ballsy the first movie was and how long we've been building up to this, but one of my worries is is that now the Infinity Gauntlet is assembled. Mm -hmm. And I think the way they set it up with Doctor Strange going through the million timelines and finding the only one where they win and then him suddenly being very willing to hand over the time stone. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that this is the timeline where they win, also because it's an Avengers movie, you know. <laughs> and like he needed the gauntlet to be assembled to ultimately win. Yeah. You know, but like 
I, my fear is, again, don't think they'll go this route, but my fear is that now that the Affinity Gauntlet is, assemb- is assembled, they do have the deus ex machina of anybody could snap their fingers and just undo the whole oh, movie, yeah. right? And uh, theoretically, because it's the Infinity Gauntlet, could reanimate Gamora and whatever. And I, I, I tend towards thinking she would come back and Loki wouldn't, but I, who knows, mm-hmm. you know? Maybe Loki can't come back because he's a god and he's above the Infinity Who knows? Anyway. <laughs> so I'm really curious to see where they go with the people who are alive. Hawkeye didn't even show up in this whole movie, which he, is funny. He got dusted. Uh, they, the they give one line of like, he is off on a ranch with uh, Ant-Man or whatever. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, like, they got families, so they can't be here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> they can't save the universe. <laughs> so sorry. Half of their family could die at the literal snap of a finger, but they can't be here. Yeah. They got homework and stuff. I, I've got a couple theories, I think. I've got one theory that... You go ahead, though. Okay. I don't know. I don't think they'll do the, uh, like, you know, getting the gauntlet back and then snapping everyone back, hopefully. There is, I think in the comics, um, Nebula, like, screws up Thanos' plan and gets her hands on the gauntlet. So maybe because she's still around, which is going to... Yeah, which was... It's going to be hilarious. It's Tony Stark and Nebula on Titan alone. Yeah. All the other Avengers on Earth, at least, they're just on this planet, those Uh two. Which is kind of... It's kind of brilliant because they're like, you know... Both robot people, so, so they can, can just make her a fun new robot, which is interesting because, like, I don't think Iron Man's really designed to travel through space millions of miles, but they'll get around. But he's it. also covered in nanites, yeah, I guess so. Oh, but my so I've seen, I don't know, do we want do we want spoilers on spoilers? Sure, okay, so this is if you're already here, then this isn't even really a spoiler, it's but like it's a just set photos, it's set right? photos, yeah. yeah. So there's set so if you don't want to hear that, skip ahead. Yeah, ninety seconds. Yeah, this will be like a minute. There's set photos from the next movie because they filmed these together of Paul Rudd or whoever in the Ant Man costume uh-huh. in like a wrecked New York City next to like Iron Man and Captain America in their Avengers One gear. Nice. So the theory is that Ant Man, who's not in this. And I'm obviously doesn't get dusted or whatever. He gets small enough to go in the like quantum realm, which we're told defies time. You can essentially travel through time in there. It goes back, and that the second part of the Avengers, at least part of it, is going to be Ant Man rewriting history to correct this. Which I don't know if I'm on board with because I'm always a little iffy on really time travel. It. Well, yeah, and I don't know that I buy them elevating ant-man quite to that, that he's level. like now the the hero yeah. well also i don't know well then spoilers done for that part you've got they've got another hero yes that they have to introduce which in between then brings us to the credit scene which is uh nick fury as he's being evaporated himself along with colby smolder smolders who i'm sure has a name in the Movies, but who who remembers Agent Whatever? Uh, before he evaporates, he taps his little phone beacon and calls Miss Marvel, uh, which is the next movie played by Brie Captain Olsen. Marvel. I think, or yeah, Captain Marvel. I'm sorry, there is a Miss Marvel, but that's a different thing, or it's the same thing under a different name. I don't know. My point Look. is, he calls Captain Marvel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's Brie Larson, something Brie, like that. Brie yeah. Larson or Brie Olsen, one of the uh, something. Brie something, Brie something, Brie, Brie cheese, but um. 
But yeah, it's the one from, I think, was it Girl? That was the movie she was in, or Brooklyn? One of the, anyway. Oh, Room. Room, that's it. Anyway, so one, word. one of them <laughs> one-word Oscar movies. So, uh... She's supposed to be strong as hell. Yeah. She like the Superman. She sorta. is, for sure. But she also, I believe her movie's going to be set in the 90s. Yeah. Which will be interesting, so she'll be, like, coming out of retirement or something, which will also be interesting, because I wonder how if they'll age 23-year-old Brie Larson. Yeah. They'll be like, she's got that magic blood. She's got superpowers. But... How many... What's your count for for 90s songs that they just toss at you? It's gonna be, like... I, 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 I expect both of those movies... To be much lighter in tone, mm-hmm. to kind of like give oh, you a yeah. sorbet of sorts, and because one of them's got Paul Rudd in, it. <laughs> but like, <laughs> so I, I expect them both to be, and I could see that just being like the '90s Earth equivalent of White oh, Guardians Lord. of the Galaxy. It's going to have that? Mighty Mighty Boss tones just oh kicking it God. off. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> or that's so out. I might get up and dance and leave the oh, theater yeah. at the same <laughs> sure. time. Uh, yeah, so she's going to be involved. It's interesting, though, you see a ruined New York. One thing they could do is they could go back in time, theoretically. I think this is too convoluted, but they could go mm. back in time to the first Avengers. Yeah. Let Thanos win that time and then beat him up there before he gets the Infinity Stones. I guess. But who knows? Uh, I don't want to speculate too much on what... Uh, what that... Where all that's going... But I am interested to see how they do handle all of this. And I think the one the one thing that I expect is for the new the old guys to kind of reunite and sort of some of them to get dusted off. <laughs> yeah. Um and which is interesting because like we talk about contracts and stuff. Marvel can buy anyone at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the interesting things is this series goes into the future is the Marvel Comics universe as a film thing is so huge now that for one thing in the comics from time to time a character is killed off and then when they want that character back they just come back because it's a comic book world and you can do that (laughs) so it's possible that they could like kill off Chris Evans and then in five years when Avengers 6 comes out or whatever they're like oh we want Mm -hmm. the original Captain America back you know, not Sebastian yeah. Shaw taking his place, which is what will 100% happen. Yeah. But like, so we can just bring him back, you know, because we can pay him now. He's gotten his break. We can throw money at him and yeah. we can write whatever into the story to bring him back. So it'll be really interesting to see how all that evolves. But I definitely think there's so much more we could talk about because it was really awesome and it was just jam-packed with stuff. Uh but I really think it, it, they crushed it. They yeah. did as well as they could. I love the Russo brothers. They started on Community, which is super weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've obviously, ex- you know, evolved way past that. Uh, but they did an awesome job with what could have been that this could have bombed so badly. Mm. And I think when you look back, even what it did could have bombed so badly because they jammed everything. And this could have this could have so easily felt like a, oh we've just got to get everyone on screen mm-hmm. and that's like number one goal in this movie and we'll figure out the rest and it did not feel like that yeah, at all. Yeah, they did Even a good though, job balancing. You know, it. I've seen I've seen 
images where it's like, well, Spider-Man only had seven minutes of screen time and Iron Man had 18 and Star-Lord had 12 or whatever. Even though that's all true, it felt really balanced and really good. So I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see where they go from here. Do you have any more thoughts before we wrap up? No, I think they're all really balanced. I was happy to see Guardians in it as much as they were. Yeah. I mean, it made sense because they kind of tied a Thanos, but I was happy to see them in there. And I'm a big fan of that. I really like that first... um the first and only Doctor Strange movie, and I thought they did a good job. It was really good, yeah. Of representing him, I really thought for some reason he was going to get the tacked on thing where he just showed up at the end. Mm-hmm. But I was glad to see he was part of it. Yeah, and I, and one of the thing, one of the th- I did mention this to you. I'll just mention it briefly. Like comics are always walking a razor's edge, where it's like Falcon is a, a really good actor, mm-hmm. and he's been doing these movies, and he deserves a role. But Falcon, and for that matter, Black Panther and Captain America, have no business fighting Thanos. As I said to you, it was like it's like an orange fighting a rhinoceros, right? Like Thanos is a even without the Infinity Gauntlet, but certainly with the Infinity Gauntlet or any iteration of it, is a god tiered intergalactic power, you know. Mm -hmm. And whereas Doctor Strange is a master of time, has an Infinity Stone himself is a wizard or a warlock or whatever, defeated Dormammu, who is arguably a bigger threat than mm-hmm. even Thanos. You know, so, like, they did a really good job of having, you know, those guys wrapped in but never, like, go one-on-one with Thanos in any sort of way where it's like, okay, why is why is <laughs> Thanos even distracted for, like, five seconds by Falcon or yeah. you know, whatever <laughs> thing? And so I was really impressed with how they did that. But, yeah, I think they did a really good job job of integrating Doctor Strange, who is integral, and I think by virtue of his being Benedict Cumberbatch, has cred, you know, with any audience, but is very new to the whole universe and probably was in one of the lesser seen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they're all still huge money movies, but relatively lesser scenes. And even the bit that Wong got to play in there was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think they did a great job with him, too. Well, we could talk about this forever, but we've got to stop yeah, at some I point. I got nothing. You have any more to say? Okay. Well, uh, with that discussion Stay done, tuned to our, uh, our taking a part of the Pokemon and the realm it's in next episode. Exactly. For an hour and a half. Uh, we will bid you all farewell, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody.